Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode, I just looked to make sure that I didn't get it wrong. It's 34. It's most definitely 34, meaning that it's probably 33. And I probably told you the wrong um, episode again. I'm very good at that, but it doesn't really matter. You listen to all the same. Um, Yeah, so one thing I want to introduce is the fact that I have not worked out how to add in like a, a snazzy intro yet, which would include a little shout out to the official sponsor of the podcast, which is um, KSOC Sportswear, which is like a, a brand that I kind of, it fits with the 95 athlete. Let's just say that. I mean, we've got like football gear, casual gear, um, sportswear, generally just like a lot of good quality clothes across the board. Um, some kind of like running accessories, like the the belt for your phone, um, shin guard, kind of, what would you call them? Socks, sleeves, um, and a few other different things. So shout out to Kieran Sturrock, who runs K-Socks. We pretty much within the program have a lot of kind of like money off, discounts, and free little bits and pieces from K-Socks. So it's a nice little partnership that we've got going um, that benefits both of us. So check out his website. It'll be in the link below the, like below the actual episode and underneath the podcast itself. I will eventually come up with a way of making that a lot more streamlined so that I don't need to say it at the start of every single podcast because we know what people do with adverts. They skip past them. But if it's something as good as that, you should probably check it out. So basically what we're going to speak about today is how to make fat loss easy. And I'm going to try and not get annoyed at the tower clock in Forfer because it goes off every 15 minutes twice and then it goes off on the hour about eight times and then another two times after that. And there's absolutely no need for it. People have watches, people have phones nowadays. This is not fucking Victorian times. We don't have like a town crier. We don't have a guy running about with a bell. Robin Hood's not fucking kicking about the Reed Park. It's genuinely not needed. I don't care how much of a tradition it is. It's annoying. So you can get rid of that. I don't know who I need to speak to about that. Um, Whoever they are, they're probably dead. And it's probably just going to keep going on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, So yeah. I best stop complaining about it because I can't control that. But how do we make fat loss easy? First of all, you got to kind of bore everyone with the whole calorie deficit shit. Um, I need to stop swearing. Input versus output. If your input, aka the food that you are consuming, is higher than your output, aka the, the training sessions you do, the activity you do on a daily basis, then you are going to put on body fat. Your body will store fat you will put on weight, you will end up weighing more. Um, It's just a matter of fact. Obviously, that is so surface level and there's a lot of emotional, mental, physical things underneath in your mind and your body that come into play when we talk about this. However, it is very much not an excuse to say, I have a bad metabolism, um, I just can't lose weight, um, I just can't put on weight. Yes, it may be a fact that some people, and there was actually a recent study that came out not long ago that actually highlighted that some individuals actually just have, they just have a strength in in losing body fat. Um, I mean, it's a very, very, very small percentage um, based on, I think it's kind of like, it's it's based on some sort of hormone function, something to do with, um, I'm not going to murder this right now, and I'm not going to pretend I know off the top of my head, but something to do with thyroid function. Like if you've heard of people of having an overactive thyroid or an underactive thyroid, um, you do not need to be classified as having an underactive thyroid um, or, or an overactive thyroid 
for there to be a little bit more of that hormone, um, which in turn makes fat loss easier or harder for some individuals. But there's a lot of kind of things that come into play um, when we're talking about fat loss. But the main thing that you need to remember is when you're when you're thinking about fat loss is you have a starting point right now and you've got a certain amount of things that you can control and you've got a certain amount of things that you can't control. When you want to start losing fat loss, please stop worrying about your metabolism. Please stop worrying about your hormones. Don't worry about, oh, do I have enough insulin or do I not have enough insulin? Oh, I read this thing on Google that said that I might have an overactive thyroid. Unless your doctor actually tells you you have an overactive thyroid or some sort of metabolic condition that means you can't lose weight as easily, then do not be thinking about that. Think about be a realist. Think about the things that you can control right now. You can control activity. You can control what you put in your mouth. Um, you can control. You can control a lot of things. So focus on what you can control. Do not focus on the things within your body that you literally can't alter without taking some sort of drug, because um, that's another thing I probably would not recommend. So calorie deficit. That's how you're going to achieve fat loss in one way, shape, or form. There's a lot of way of making the calorie deficit look all fancy and look at nice and I'm doing keto or I'm doing just plus or I'm doing Herbalife. But at the end of the day, as you'll probably heard people harp on about over and over and over and over again um, on Instagram and other kind of Facebook things, the calorie deficit is how you achieve fat loss. It just You've just got to do it in some sort of different way. You may actually not be counting calories. You may be making small little changes to your diet, uh, making portions smaller, like cutting eating windows, um, having less sweets, having less chocolate, having less alcohol. Um, and you're like, oh, I'm losing fat. Like this amazing no alcohol diet has made me lose fat or this amazing no chocolate diet has made me lose fat. Yes, it has, but it was because you were in a calorie deficit. You just maybe didn't know it. So a lot of people attribute their weight loss to a magical diet that they did and say, okay, the reason I lost all that body fat was because of Herbalife. It wasn't directly because of Herbalife. It was because you were putting less into your body than you were. You were putting more. You were outputting more than you were inputting into your body. You were in a calorie deficit. I will say it again. Um, so that's pretty much how that works. Any diet you've ever done, lost weight on, you were in a calorie deficit. There wasn't some sort of like magical, special thing within one of those drinks that you drank that made you lose body fat. So now that we've got that out of the way. I want to tell you how, how do you start off? Like, how do I now find like based on kind of calories? How do I now find the way? To, what's the way to start? How do I, how do I start? How do I find calorie maintenance? How do I find how many calories I need to drop body fat? How do I make it manageable, enjoyable, and sustainable? So I think probably if you're going to go down the calorie tracking route, I just wanted to reiterate with calorie, with calorie tracking that it is not the only option. There are other options, but what I will truly stick to and believe, regardless of what other people say, is that tracking calories for a period of time will be a useful tool. We need to be careful when we give people calorie tracking and when we give people MyFitnessPal, when they've maybe come from a background of, say, disordered eating or actually having an eating disorder um, or a really bad relationship with food because the, the numbers that come in with calorie counting and almost we detach food from what it is and we begin to think of it as a number that bit of chicken's like 180 calories plus like 17 grams of protein and we begin to stop seeing it as um 
as food and as what it should be. It should be enjoyed food. It shouldn't be a number. Um, but if we can get a nice balance somewhere in between that, then you can achieve really good results with calorie tracking. Um, so it is something that I have done in the past. It is not something that I'm doing aggressively right now. If I want to chase towards a particular goal, if I need to get down to a particular weight for some sort of performance-related purpose, then I will begin to calorie track again. That's me. It works for me. I've got a good relationship with it, but I didn't used to have a good relationship with it. I used to have a very bad relationship with it. So that's why I kind of help people um, utilize it in a healthy as possible way. And for some people, I will just not give them it. I will just go, no, calorie tracking is not for you. We're going to find a different approach. So to start off with, to not mess around and to just basically find this out, literally just type in calorie maintenance calculator um, on Google, and you will be able to find out what a rough calorie deficit will be for you. But if we want to go into the the nuts and bolts of it, I'm going to go and basically calculate what my calorie maintenance would be um, based on what I'm currently doing in terms of how many calories I burn during the week and how many calories I burn at rest. So to calculate calorie maintenance, you're going to need to find out your current weight in, in pounds, um, ideally. And we're going to do the Harris-Benedict equation. So basically how this works is you're going to go, and I will put this in the, the small print at the bottom of the of the episode if anyone wants to do this. It's going to be 4.536. If you want to do this following along, I'll give you a chance right now. 4.536 times your weight in pounds. And then you're going to find out that number. So for me, that was 866.376. And then I'm going to do 15.88 times my height in inches. My height in inches was, I can't remember, but I've got the, I've got the equation on here. So that calculated to 1,143.36. Then what I'm going to do is five times my age, which is 25 plus five, um, which equals 130. So from there, I've got a number of two, one eight nine so 2189 calories so from there um i've not yet found my maintenance what i now need to do is times that by a an activity um multiplier so basically the way that it goes and we need to really take into consideration that this is the thing right now this this multiplier right now is the thing that throws people off because it very much overestimates and people overestimate the amount of activity that they do in a week. So if someone goes to the gym, say, oh, I don't know, they go to the gym four times a week, that does not necessarily make them active. They may go to the gym four hours in the week and the rest of the week, they may be sedentary at an office job. So that may fool someone into thinking that they're very active. So they may, may then go to which, well, this is what basically happens. So sedentary, basically doing nothing is times that by one. And then up from that, it's just a little bit more active is times by 1.2 and then up a little bit more is 1.4. And then up from that, you go, can go all the way up to 1.8. So if I remember right, mine was times by, like I went a little bit more um, conservative and I think I went times 1.4 if I remember right. And that led me to the number of 2845, so 2,845 calories. Um, so that's going to be my maintenance calories. And that sounds about right for me, actually, because I'm, I'm truthfully very active. Um, 
I probably go to the gym four times a week and do a lot of cardio because I was just most recently training for a triathlon. Um, <clears throat> so around about 2,845 calories. What you need to do when you're doing this equation online is be truthful, be conservative with the number because um, for a lot of people, like if they were to go, all right, okay, if you were around about the same height and weight as me um, and the same age, and then you times it by like 1.8, you're going to be talking like north of like 3,400 calories realistically there's not a lot of people that need that um so be very cautious with using that calculation but the best thing to do is actually just go online and type in harris benedict equation or calorie calculator um, and work it out from there so when we work out our calorie maintenance that's when we begin to think about okay now what's going to be my deficit what's my goal right now is my goal to lose weight is it to gain weight or is it just just to maintain weight and get a get a hold of how many calories that I'm actually eating right now. So what I would then do is I would think about the calorie deficit that I want to achieve. So when we think about a calorie deficit, if we want to do it kind of a little bit slower, we want it to be reasonably manageable to start off with. We don't want to hate every second of our life. I would be looking at anywhere between probably 200 calories and 500 calories of a daily deficit based on your um, based on your maintenance. So mine's would end up being about, so if my maintenance was 2845, I'd probably end up making it about 2345. That's going to be probably be a quite, quite a nice little deficit for me that I can manage and I can survive on. If you want it to go a little bit faster, you need to actually, you need to almost be uh, mindful of the decrements of that. So if you go for a faster calorie deficit, there is then more chance that you'll possibly lose more of the muscle mass that you're already holding on to. Um, your energy will maybe be a little bit lower. You won't recover as quickly. You maybe feel a little bit more tired, lethargic, like you need to nap more. Um, you might get bigger cravings. Um, that's why I always think that a, a gradual calorie deficit is, is going to be better but again, it comes down to the individual and how hard they're willing to push and how much they need fat loss and how much muscle they're looking to hold on to. Um, it's very much based on the individual. That's why I believe coaching is very often required for someone that wants to jump into a calorie deficit. Um, the best thing to do when, when in a calorie deficit is obviously monitor the situation. Like your calorie deficit of two, three, four, five is only going to be a calorie deficit for a certain period of time eventually as you lose body fat as you lose weight two three two three four five then ends up not becoming a calorie deficit because your body adapts um, it adapts to the number of calories that it needs um, that's why you lose body fat and then eventually two three four five might then become your maintenance and to lose more body fat you may then need to drop that down even further obviously to a certain extent we don't want to go too far um, we there is a ceiling like we've wouldn't find an 80 kilogram male going down to like 1000 calories. That would be ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think it's important. Like there is a stigma about tracking and taking photos and weighing yourself and, um, and generally just like using numbers as metrics to, to value your, your weight loss. I think again, you just need to take a conservative view of this kind of thing. Like if you monitor weight, all the time, every single day, it can be, you can develop quite a negative relationship with it if you don't see what you want to see on the scales and then you get triggered and you ruined your day. Like I've found myself just randomly weighing myself one day, 
when I really didn't give a shit and I was just like, I'm just curious. And then I see a weight that I maybe didn't want to see, but in reality, I felt totally fine. Like I was happy enough the day before and the day before that and the day before that. But I weigh myself and then it triggers me into a certain emotion that then means I'm like, oh no, I need to lose body fat. I need to lose weight. And loads of people do this because I know them because some of them are on my program. I tell them not to weigh themselves so often or they're weighing themselves like once in the morning, once at night and wondering why they've put on a kilogram. It's possible like your weight will fluctuate massively and what you weigh on the scales does not define who you are. It doesn't define the the progress that you've made. It is, yes, it's a metric that can be used when losing body fat and I think it's it's very objective and it, it shows us plain and simple if we've lost body fat and if we've lost weight so i think it can be included at times but you just need to understand your own relationship with weighing yourself if it is very much negative and you think you get triggered every single time there's maybe something to be said about not using the scales um but if you find that you're okay with weighing yourself on a monthly basis on a bi-weekly basis then why not photos i think can be useful again same thing comes down to your relationship with that photo. If you're sitting staring at that photo after you've taken it, dissecting every part of your body fat and going, oh, I look disgusting here, or oh, this light's not right, or oh, I look minging. Been through it, done it, um, sent photos to my coach before and had to take them about five times until the light looks right. Is that, am I being truthful to myself there? Am I just wanting to get a photo and see what I want to see? Then, yeah, that's pretty much what I was doing. Tracking in some sort of way will be helpful though. Um, just pick which ones you like to do. Do you like to track yourself through some sort of visual thing? Do you like to track yourself through weighing yourself on the scales? Do you like to weigh your, do you like to check and judge it by clothes, by measurements? Or do you like to not judge it at all? Do you want to just feel how you feel, look in the mirror every now and again and go, cool, looking fine, base it totally on performance, base it on how strong you are, how you feel, I think that can also be, there's something to, said about, something to be said about that and that can be really helpful. Um, so monitoring something will be helpful because without that, we then also maybe don't see how much we've progressed over, over the weeks, over the months. So the next step would be when we think about a calorie deficit, we think about like, okay, how long am I actually going to be in this calorie deficit? When does it end? When do I get a break? When do when do, when am I able to actually go and enjoy myself anymore? Am I just going to be losing body fat forever now? Um, and that should not be the case. And that's why when I'm coaching individuals, um, I like to let them see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's always an exit plan. There's always a plan for after the calorie deficit because when someone's got like 15 kilograms to shift, 10 kilograms to shift, a few stone to shift, they may think, well, this is just me for the next three years, just losing body fat. And yeah, it's just going to be a never ending journey. When in reality, that's not true. I like to do it in a slightly different way. So depending on how much body fat an individual wants to or has to lose um, for whatever goal it is that they have, I basically set out a plan and it's, it's flexible, but it has structure as well. So let's say, for example, there was an individual that wanted to lose 10 kilograms. 10 kilograms, if you want that to come off in a relatively enjoyable way and um, not enjoyable there's nothing really that enjoyable about fat loss most of the time but if you want that to come off in a way that's not going to feel like living hell every single day you're going to have to do it gradually we may take 12 weeks to pull off 10 kilograms that may be the case what i'll basically do with that individual is i'll make it clear to them that 
there may be a point during this 12 weeks where you might end up starting to feel a little bit shitty. You might see some negative feedback. Your energy might be way down. Your cravings might be high. Your hunger might be high. We need to, as a coach and client relationship, we need to be very clear on when this time happens and when this happens. And do we now need to grind and push through and just totally just knuckle down? Or is this actually our body telling us something? It's telling us that we maybe need a diet break. We maybe need to pull calories back up to maintenance. We maybe need to add in a little bit more food. We maybe need to generally just have a mental and physical break from this calorie deficit, from this fat loss phase. And that in itself can almost mean one step back to take two steps forward in terms of it helps you recover. It helps you mentally um, just mentally build yourself back up again, get a little bit of energy back and feel better in your training. And something that I do because every single individual in my program is there's nobody in there that's like a, a sponsored athlete that's training seven days of the week and playing two games. There's nobody in there that lives, breathes the sport and that's all they do. They don't, nobody I know within my program does their sport for their job and that's it. They always have, they all have part-time jobs. They have other things on, they have families, they have holidays, they have kids. So what we basically do is we sometimes strategically place these diet breaks around about social um, social events. So if that individual has a wedding, can we introduce a diet break around about Friday all the way through to Monday to allow them to have a bit of flexibility, a bit of recovery, um, enjoy a drink at the weekend, enjoy a meal out um, so that they can go strong again the next week? We don't just chuck these in willy-nilly. We like to strategize them and put them in places where they where they fit. So that's the kind of idea. And a diet break can actually be a very successful kind of little tactic to help you push on to the next level because it allows you to realize that if you go back up to maintenance, you your weight doesn't spike back up. It almost stays the same. It recharges you and you're ready to go again. Obviously, I spoke about the, the shit zone. The shit zone, the shit zone is essentially just this area where you've maybe lost a lot of, lot of body fat, but you're getting negative feedback with like hunger with energy, with tiredness, with feeling like you need to nap. Um, and this is usually a good sign that this is needed. So if you are listening to this right now and you feel like you've been trying to lose body fat for months and weeks and weeks and weeks, you might actually just need to give yourself a break for a couple of weeks. A week to two weeks is usually pretty good. Sometimes even shorter, like you can almost do like a, a little refeed type weekend thing where you just pump calories up a little bit higher, allow that person to recover, um, and then we go again. So I do believe they're actually a really, really good idea. So to dive into, and maybe this should have been placed a little bit earlier at the start. So when we think about burning calories, when we think about how, how can I output calories? How can I increase my output? So right now we're not necessarily thinking about the food that we put into our body and the, the amounts of it. We're thinking about how can I burn calories on a daily basis? How can I increase my output? Because I don't want to eat any less. So the obvious things are obviously doing more cardio, training a little bit more, doing more steps. Um, generally just doing things like that. But we need to break it down. So you can't see the, the diagram in front of me that's just I'm referring to it. So when we think about burning calories as a whole, we have a very big chunk of calories that come from basal metabolic rate. So this is essentially the, the calories that you burn at rest while you're doing nothing. I could wake up tomorrow, sit on my arse all day in bed, and I would burn X amount of calories. I'm trying to think how many calories I would actually burn. Um, 
well, I did the calculation earlier. So it, was, it could be anywhere up to like almost 2000 by doing nothing. Um, I wouldn't put on body fat. I wouldn't put on weight. Uh, I think that's probably my BMR. My BMR is probably around about just not, you know, I think I calculated my BMR the other day. It was probably around about 1900 or something like that. So that's the amount of calories I would burn at rest. So this takes up a massive chunk of the overall calories we burn. Probably about 60 to 70% of the calories we burn is from BMR. And people get obsessed with uh, metabolism and they think, oh, my metabolism's slow. And they think, oh, I'm just burning 40% with my metabolism. But it's not true. Pretty much everyone's metabolism is, not pretty much everyone, everyone's metabolism is the main source of calorie burn. um, And they don't need to do anything to actually burn those calories. Then we think about the next biggest chunk, and it's NEAT. So it's N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's a mouthful. Um, you'll have heard Devin Cartel probably speaking about that if you follow him on Instagram. That's kind of his little motto. So non-activity, non-exercise activity thermogenesis is essentially any movement that you do that's not exercise. It's walking, it's fidgeting, it's hoovering, it's going to the shops. Nothing that it's not planned exercise. It's just what you do on a daily basis. It's how you move about. Some of us, well, this accounts for 15 to 20% of the actual calorie burn that we have in a day. But some of us will sit at a desk all day long and do next to nothing. Your neat could end up then being 5%. It could be way down. It could be next to nothing. So this is pretty much the biggest chunk that we can affect on a daily basis. So try things like taking the steps, parking parking further away at the supermarket, um, having a walk in the morning. Do not underestimate how much this is a tool towards fat loss. Like this is very much underestimated. Um, the next thing is exercise itself. So exercise itself could only account for around about 10% of calorie burn during the day where people think this is the this is the major one. This is the one that I burn all the calories in. So I go into the gym, I go into my hit class, I go into my spin class, and I must burn like 2,000, 3,000 calories. That pizza I had the other night, they're burned off. When in reality, it's just not true. Uh, it will not account for as much as you think it does. If you are just like an avid gym goer, then you go to the gym five nights a week and lift weights. Your, your exercise thermogenesis might actually not be that high. If you're obviously running marathons and stuff like that, then you have to take into consideration that that person's exercise thermogenesis is probably going to be really, really high. And then the last thing is 5% is the thermic effect of food. So when you eat, you actually burn calories when you eat through the process of digestion and genuinely just through turning that food into energy. So turning proteins into energy, turning carbs and fats into energy. Your thermic effect can be can be changed so out of the three kind of macronutrients um protein fats and carbs the protein actually has a higher thermic effect so for every excuse me for every calorie of protein that you eat every gram of protein that you eat you actually get a higher calorie burn because of the way that that food's digested a little bit less with carbs and then much less with fats i think is how it goes Hopefully I've not got that wrong, but if I did, oh well. But higher protein diets result in higher thermic effect. So the takeaways from this are exercise does not account for everything, but it's still important. There goes that clock again. Um, A higher protein diet will induce a higher thermic effect. Um, Just imagine like every time you eat a protein, 
your stomach goes on fire. Like there's there's a there's a fire that's lit that's just a little bit stronger than the carbs and the fats. And then non-activity thermogenesis, which is your NEAT, um, which is your walking and movement around the day. So the three last things that I talked about are the things that you can affect. So you could argue there's about 35, 35 to 40% of a day that you can affect. The other 60% you cannot affect because you cannot on-call alter your metabolism. Um, but some people would have you think you can, but you can't. Um, so yeah. The next thing is fullness, is satiety, is, is how do we reduce hunger? How do we stop feeling hungry when we're on a calorie deficit, when we're trying to lose body fat? This is the main one people struggle with. And truth be told, you can you, you, could do a, you can do a pretty aggressive calorie deficit and not be hungry if you put the right things in place. Your body over time, over a couple of weeks of being in a calorie deficit, will adapt. It will become used to the lower amounts of foods that you put in its body, put in your body. <clears throat> Excuse me. You need to give it time to adapt. A lot of people don't give it that couple of weeks and they go, fuck this, this is too hard. I'm just going to go and scan a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's. Food quality here is important as well because if we don't have the right food quality and we don't have the, the, the highly nutritious foods in there and we're constantly eating like, yeah, we're in a calorie deficit, but we're eating white bread all the time. And we're just eating sandwiches and we're not, I'm not demonizing bread here, by the way, there's nothing against bread. But if you're constantly eating like hyper palatable foods, like say your, your lunch, your, your meals looks like this, like you've got a bowl of cereal, but it fits with your macros. You've got a toastie at lunch, but it fits with your macros. And then at tea time, you've just got a bowl of soup, but it fits with your macros. Is that going to keep you full? Or can you make some little adaptations to that? Now, as I talked about, the higher thermic effect of food of protein is going to be valuable to you. Protein um, is going to keep you fuller for longer because it takes more work to digest it. You're going to be fuller for longer on a high protein diet. That is just a matter of fact. You could PubMed it. There is a million different things that will tell you that that's, that's the case. Trying to increase fiber in your diet is going to be valuable as well. So that's like things like oats, apples, whole grains, green veg, just generally fruit and just fruit in general. Increasing fiber is going to be massively helpful because again, it's going to keep you fuller for longer. Um, other little hacks that you can kind of put in place would be for your breakfast. Can you include fruit because again higher fiber can you include something that's going to keep you fuller oats again are a really good one because they're they're a bit heavier they take longer to digest they're, they're again full of fiber um when you're looking at your main meals like your your lunch and your dinner implementing like literally just sticking a bowl of salad next to it like a bowl of green salad with like some peppers and stuff like that just whatever you want to include in that cucumber all these like these veggies and these salads they're very much they're full of water there's a lot of water in each vegetable and each bit of salad and each bit of fruit therefore just think about like if i was to go and tell you right now to go and eat 1000 calories full of spinach you would literally need a full trolley full of spinach imagine how full and sick you're going to feel after that like you're not going to be able to eat because you're probably going to be on the toilet for like the next three days but anyway, you, you would understand the theory behind like a thousand calories of spinach being absolutely ridiculous. Then think about 1000 calories of wine gums. You probably need two bags of wine gums versus about a hundred bags of spinach. So that's a simple thing to think about. Low calorie, but high volume. 
Like, how can I introduce loads of salad? Like, a good tactic to actually go with, and I use this all the time, is if I've got a meal, there's a bit of carbohydrate, there's a bit of protein, and I'm on a fat loss phase, I will always have a salad next to it, and I will actually start, and this maybe isn't the way you have to do it, but I'll start by eating that full salad. So I've already filled a gap within my stomach and then I'll eat the carbs and protein. But I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with eating them all as a one or just mixing it up. Same with veg. Like it, if you're not eating veg and salad when you're on a fat loss phase and you're complaining about being hungry, then mate, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. Another thing to do would be like vegetable soups, not just vegetable, just like any sort of soups that are pretty like, um, pretty dense and, and nutrients, veg and protein. These are going to be really uh, useful. Another thing, strawberries, watermelons, blueberries, raspberries, you get a hell of a lot of them for very little calories. Um, and if anyone has ever tried the frozen grape pack, uh, stick grapes in the freezer and just sit away at night eating them, like you're literally consuming very, very few calories, but it takes like ages to eat them and they're actually pretty enjoyable i don't know if anyone likes that i do and then you think about the opposite you think about the hyper palatable foods that are so easy to eat like for a bowl of nuts like i'm not saying not don't eat nuts because they obviously have their benefits in terms of like the fats that you find in them but like cereal cake wine gums white bread like how easy is it to overeat that kind of stuff i'm not saying not to include it but you just need to make the comparison between these. You've got your hyper palatable, easy to eat foods, which you, can eat, which you can eat loads of and not feel full. And then you've got your 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 dense, high in volume foods, um, like your salad, like your veg, like your watermelon, like your strawberries, like your spinach. And again, you could talk about that in the sense of some proteins as well. These are going to, it's going to be really hard to, it's going to be really easy, sorry, to get full off of this kind of stuff if you eat too much of it, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, so staying fuller for longer is going to be, is going to be massively, massively important. Like if you are hungry on a calorie deficit, I'll always ask someone, if someone comes to me and they say, Ryan, I really struggled with hunger this week. Like I just can't stay full. Like I'm just constantly craving stuff and I'm going to bed hungry. My first point port of call would be to ask them the question. Like, do you feel as if you are eating enough veg, eating enough salad, getting enough fiber, do you feel as though the food quality within your diet is good or do you feel like it's like you're eating meal deals still or you're eating cereal all the time and you're just generally just eating foods that don't keep you full? And again, there's nothing wrong with eating these foods now and again. It's just a case of over a full week, if you are eating more of this stuff than the good stuff, then you're going to feel hungry. If the answer is, I'm okay, I could probably do better with that, then that's where we'll go first. But if the answer is, no, I'm actually now doing all those things perfectly, but I still seem to be hungry, then that's more like a, I'm not eating enough overall calories kind of thing. So that would be the kind of approach that I would take with that. So another little touch on output. So a lot of the time people don't want to necessarily like reduce calories more. It's more just a case of reducing output and doing more, doing more steps, doing more cardio, doing more gym work. And something that I think is pretty useful you can almost learn from the bodybuilder sometimes like there is a lot of like negative stuff that comes with bodybuilders but there's a lot of kind of stuff that they do which you can take little lessons from one of the things is like when a bodybuilder's in prep you see them all the time like they'll literally be smashing the stairmaster like on a daily basis every single day like 45 minutes and as they get closer to prep because they're trying to peel off just extra body fat every single week 
they just add another 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, another 10 minutes until they're doing like stupid amounts of cardio every single day. Now, I'm not telling anyone to be doing two hours of the Stairmaster every single day, but if you're getting to a stage in your fat loss where you're thinking like, this is getting hard, I don't want to reduce any more calories. Like, I feel like I need this amount of food. Then something to think about is, okay, can you add 10 minutes Stairmaster at the end of every session? Can you go out for an extra walk in the morning? Can you now add a little Metcon to the end of your gym session? Like an, a little thing where you basically set your watch or you basically just set 10 minutes and you do like a little circuit where you're like five minutes on the air bike, five minutes on the rowing machine. And you create that extra calorie burn on a daily basis without altering anything else. And then say, for example, you went to four gym sessions a week and you added an extra 10 minutes of cardio at the end of each one of them. That's 40 extra minutes of cardio over the week. That could be an extra 400 calories of a deficit in theory. Um, so yeah, it's important. It's important to think about that way. Um, and then the last, well, it's not the last thing. Is it the last thing? No, nah, it's not quite the last thing. Stay insane. Stay insane on your fat loss phase is massively important because I know that you can get very like caught up in, I need to lose fat. I need to lose fat. I need to lose fat. And that's all that matters to you. And you're, you're beginning to like create a kind of relationship with food where you're like, no, okay, I can't, I can't eat any of these so-called bad foods. And I've heard people say it all the time. And I used to say it as well, nah, I can't eat that. That's bad for me. That's unhealthy. The thing that's unhealthy is your relationship with that food to say that it's unhealthy. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that you don't want to do. You don't want to attach like labels to food, like oh, McFlurry, can't eat that. That's bad for me. Can't eat pizza. That's bad for me. Because in reality, when you say that, you're staring at that food thinking, I would fucking love to eat that. I would love to eat that bit of pizza right now, but I can't. Why can't you? You've got to stay sane. You've got to include things that you like, especially if the fat loss phase is over a long period of time. Like if you're going to be going over a 12-week fat loss phase and you're going to tell yourself that you're not going to eat takeaways, you're not going to drink, you're not going to have chocolate, you're not going to do any of this stuff. Like, Don't get me wrong, reducing all of these things is going to be helpful and it's only going to get you towards your goal quicker. But we can develop a bad relationship with food if we begin to say that we can't have stuff. You can have stuff. You can have anything. You can, you can have anything. You can't just eat loads of it all the time. So be aware of your food focus. Like food focus is something I didn't really understand before. I was like, what, what does my coach mean by this? But food focus is essentially like the, the thoughts you have about food on a daily basis. So I used to remember like when I was going through my last fat loss phase, I was in PT sessions and the conversation of food would come up constantly. Like I would speak to my clients about food all the time and what are they having for tea and, oh, I'd love a pizza. Oh, I'd love an ice cream. Oh, what did you, where did you go and eat at the weekend? And like, it's not a bad thing, but it's like, be, be aware of how much you think about food because if, and don't get me wrong, like I, regardless if I'm in a fat loss phase or not, I still love my food. And I'm still constantly thinking about my next meal and literally thinking about it right now because it's almost lunchtime. But be aware of how much you think about food. If you're literally like a like a coiled spring ready to eat a pizza at the weekend, you're like, fuck, I'd love a McDonald's. And you're literally like craving it like a heroin addict. Then be aware of those feelings because those feelings sometimes need to be met. And if we can begin to think about including some like low calorie choices, fakeaways, even just having a takeaway every now and again with portion control, um letting yourself have some pizza sometimes then you are going to stay sane your food focus is going to reduce and in the long term i believe that in most cases that will allow you to adhere to your fat loss goals much better it's the same with alcohol like saying things like oh, i'm not going to drink for this full 12 weeks 
is just going to mean that you develop this kind of relationship with alcohol that I drink alcohol, it's bad. That means that I've fucked up my fat loss. I've fucked up my body if I then go and drink alcohol. So look, it does nobody any harm on a fat loss phase to stop drinking or to not drink as much. But again, don't see it as this like devil. Don't see it as this thing that cannot be done because it can be done. And I've coached loads and loads of people through fat loss phases where they've drank like every second week or they've drank every third week or they've had a takeaway every weekend on like a flexi day. And it works. It works. But again, it's a fine line between like taking the piss and having it too much, but also just taking it away altogether, which I don't recommend. So like definitely find like low calorie options. Like, you know, you get your like your fiber ones, your skinny whips, these these low calorie things that you can include to, to curb a craving or there's loads of low calorie ice creams and stuff like that. Like that's something that I will constantly go to when I'm on a fat loss phase just to keep me sane instead of kind of going for the Ben and Jerry's like a thousand calories a tub. And the last thing, is sustaining fat loss. So what fucking use is fat loss if you can't sustain it and you don't keep that fat off? And again, in the fat loss world and in the coaching world, how many times have you seen an individual get in fucking amazing shape? They've lost so much weight and I've lost 20 pounds at Slimming World or I've lost 20 pounds at Weight Watchers or I've lost 20 pounds doing this insanity course or something like that. And three months later, they put it all back on because they could not sustain it because it was an unsustainable, no, there was no education attached to it. There was nothing there that allowed them to understand how to maintain these habits. Because when you're trying to lose fat, the main thing that's important is that you don't fucking hate every second of it. It's not an absolute painful 12 weeks where you're like, oh, I just got the fat off. Thank God that's done. Give me a pizza. You should be able to finish that fat loss phase, move into the next week and do the exact same things again just on a slightly more measured scale and maybe not as aggressively, but you should still be doing the same things. And I think it's important that like you can't hate your way to a body that you love. That's a nice little quote that I don't, can't remember where I heard it, but you can't hate your way to a body that you love. So if you're going to fucking grind and just genuinely just call yourself a fat bastard for 12 weeks and go, I need to fucking do this because I look disgusting. I feel disgusting. Um, and I'm going to do anything, anything it takes to lose this body fat you by the time you get to the end it will be an anti-climax because you have not learned to actually enjoy the process you won't have learned to enjoy going to the gym you won't have learned to enjoy going for those walks you won't learn you wouldn't have learned to enjoy making that like nutritious food so it's important that you find something that you actually just waiting for that clock to finish you find something that you actually enjoy doing and it's important that you make it clear with the coach that you work with or you make it clear with yourself with your family whatever you're doing like please make sure that you enjoy it because finding an activity finding a method of exercise finding a a way of eating that you actually enjoy doing on a daily basis on a weekly basis that's going to be what maintains the fat loss not doing whatever it takes not doing 12 weeks of fucking slimming world and getting to the end of it and going that was hell but i lost all this body fat because it goes back on because you cannot sustain it i just went into like 0.5 speed there but it's because it annoys me a little bit some of these things like they'll they'll help you lose body fat in any way shape or form regardless of what it takes but people don't understand that yes you lost body fat but you did it under false pretenses you did it under a you did it in a way which you hated and you were just like this is shit and yeah but i've lost the body fat and everyone's delighted at the end of the 12 weeks but speak to them 12 weeks later they put it back on because they didn't enjoy doing it find just find a method that you enjoy have goals that aren't fat loss 
like, yeah, okay, I want to lose 10 kilograms, but also have goals. Okay, I want to run a 5K. I want to run a 10K because when you lose when you lose that 10 kilograms, you're like, well, what now? Like, what did I actually, what helped me get here? Did I actually do anything that I enjoyed? Did I enjoy the training? Or did it, as I said, did I just train like an absolute, I don't know what the word is here, but just train to lose this body fat. You want other goals. You want performance goals that aren't fat loss. Um, constantly reset, resetting the goalposts. Um, constantly, like after six weeks, okay, what's next? Like, what's the new goal? What do I want to achieve now? Instead of like starting off on week one and going, okay, I want to lose 10 kilograms. How about we lose 2.5 kilograms first, and then another 2.5, and then another 2.5, and then another 2.5? Because those many wins along the way will help you stay motivated. But if you just go, I'm losing 10 kilograms, that's it. It's a massive goal. And if I don't get there, I fucked it. You could lose seven kilograms and still be underwhelmed because you've not hit that 10 kilogram goal. So that's important. You've got to have a purpose to what you're doing as well. Like, why are you doing it? Like, and ask this question all the time. Like, why are you actually wanting to lose body fat? Because it's not just because you want to feel, oh, I want to look good on my holiday. There's something much more deeper rooted there as to why you want to lose body fat. Because if there wasn't, you wouldn't necessarily do it. There's always something a little bit less. There's, it's, there's something below the surface usually. There's something there a little bit more important to you. Like you may feel embarrassed in front of your your partner. You may feel unhealthy and scared of scared of dying or scared of getting some sort of disease. <clears throat> you may be you may have a a trauma from the past. You may have been an overweight kid, and you may you stop messaging me, please. Um, things are popping up. Sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm a bit on edge today. I'm getting a bit angry at my phone and the clock outside. Um, yeah, make sure you have a purpose and make sure you understand what your motivations to doing this are. Because I knew the first time that I lost body fat, I just thought it was because I wanted to get in shape for a holiday. But in reality, it was because there was like a little bit of a, a scared little kid inside of me that was scared of judgment when I went on holiday. I was scared of like girls looking at me thinking, oh, he's fucking disgusting. He's not got a six pack. He's in terrible shape. Ugh. I was scared of judgment from from other people, from peers, from people around me. And I did everything I could to not be in that shape. But then the moment I lost that shape and I put weight back on, I lost my whole identity because I was like, fuck, now I've just lost everything that I worked for. And people are now going to think that I'm useless. I'm overweight. I'm disgusting. And I lost my confidence. I had low self-esteem. And yeah, that's why it's so important. You actually understand your motivations for why you're doing this. Um, because if they come from, a negative place sometimes it can be hard to actually ever achieve like the happiness that you want or the confidence that you want you need accountability you need to check in with yourself you need to check in with someone else you need not everyone but majority of the time someone to back you someone to check in with someone to tell okay ryan i've done this this week or okay i've this went wrong or I can't do this or literally just have some sort of method of like physically checking in with yourself, like journaling. Okay. Today or last week lost two pounds, blah, blah, blah. Felt good. Need to set more performance goals. Journaling is again, another pretty valuable, uh, valuable way to do it or have someone on the journey with you. Like have a pal come along with you. Like I've got a couple of clients right now, more than a couple that, that come in twos and they work alongside each other. And it's so valuable because they just, they spot each other on, they call each other out on their bullshit um, and it just works. Like 
shout out to Nicola and Rachel because this is kind of who I'm thinking about right now. Um, they call each other out on their bullshit and make sure that shit gets done. Um, and it's massively valuable. And being part of a community can help as well. Like like-minded people wanting to achieve the same thing as you. That's always going to help. And that could be being part of a gym. That could be going to the gym with your friends. That could be being part of a coaching program. That could be being part of a mentorship, whatever it may be. But hopefully out of those nine points, probably even more than nine points, I am able to make your fat loss goals just a little bit easier. And if one of your goals is to lose body fat alongside a performance goal, whatever that may be, that's what we specialize in at the nine to five athlete. That's exactly what we do. We don't just help you lose body fat. We make body fat come off. We, we essentially help you lose body fat in the easiest way possible. But then we push you after you've lost that body fat to a performance goal to get back on the football pitch, to go and run a half marathon, to run a 10K, to go and book a holiday, whatever it is, the, the thing that you've, that's you that been holding you back for a while because you felt like, oh, I'm carrying too much body fat, I'm not confident enough. We will basically smash through that and just get you there. So hopefully that was helpful, guys. If you've listened to the whole podcast or even just a bit of it, please, please share it on Instagram because it's went, I'm not going to say it's went stagnant. My motivation perhaps towards pushing the, the podcast has went a little bit stagnant there's only so much i can do so it massively helps when you guys share the podcast on instagram that's what gets more viewers even share it on facebook share it in one of your group chats if you took something away with it away from it please help me out um thank you very much guys appreciate your time and catch you next week <laughs>